Welcome to Season 2 of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. This season is dedicated to interviews with mayoral and city council candidates running for the city of Powell River within the Cothed region during the 2022 municipal election. Here's your host, Aaron Reed. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. Joining me for this episode is Rob Southcott. Rob is running for re-election in the October 15, 2022 municipal election. Here is Rob's submission. I am a lucky returnee to Powell River. I have sought to bring my interests, social, cultural, science, history, finance and economics, and spiritual into application to serve my community. I've been a paramedic and an ambulance service chief, an outdoor rec instructor, hiker, kayaker, lifelong cyclist. I was in small business, a hockey dad, along with various community organizations and boards all my life, and I've been a counselor for eight years. We are in times of trouble, and that will only increase. We must work together, and that is my commitment. Please join me in welcoming Rob Southcott. I'd like to welcome Rob Southcott to the podcast. Hi, Rob. Thank you, Aaron. Hi. And you are running for re-election for councillor for the City of Powell River. Yep, I yep. am. Against my wife's ad- advice. <laughs> but she's still supporting me wholeheartedly, I have to say. Uh, I do that all the time. Sorry, Shane. So I thought if we could start off, if you don't mind telling me a little bit about yourself, where you were born, where you grew up, childhood, that kind of thing. Yeah, thank you. I was born down in the hospital uh, in the town site at T-Squat. I grew up in Cranberry, mostly in Moat Bay and then over behind Cranberry Lake. And soon after high school, I went to UBC for a couple of years. Then I ended up moving up into the Caribou, where I worked as a technician for an electronics uh, service technician for about 20 years. Uh, That blended into outdoor recreation, which blended into first aid, which blended into working for the ambulance service. And then I I ended up transferring to Vancouver and working there full time for for, uh, 12 years in the city core. It was uh, pretty exciting and hugely expanding to my life. There I met my son's son's mom, and uh, we moved back to Powell River with him. He was eight years old in 2006, and I'm very proud of him. He's in forestry school right now, and he's a smoke jumper. How about that? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. (laughs) He outdid his dad at an early age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I got to come back here in 2006, and I'm so grateful and so thankful to be able to live in this amazing community. Awesome. So my next question was to ask you what type of work or jobs you've done over the years. So it sounds like that's an interesting story. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I've worked well. I, I did mention which what I'd done and, and every one of those jobs since I was 21 years old has been with people. And I've been involved in community. And I actually lived in an intentional community for 16 years in the, uh, in the Caribou that was an amazing experience of learning how community works and how it doesn't work, how people relate together. But I was also involved in the larger community. We, I helped with the organization of the Caribou Marathon, which was the second largest ski race in Canada back in the 80s. Wow. Quite proud of that. And then being a paramedic, of course, I, I worked with people. Uh, I, was, uh, I was the uh, station chief here for 10 years keeping the family together in yeah. the one station. <laughs> yeah, and they really did feel like a family, and they still do, any of them. So, yeah, community. That's, I guess, what led me to 
seeking a seat in council two terms ago now. Wow. I've been very fortunate to serve my community that way. What neighborhood do you live in now? I live in Westview. Do you? In, yeah, close to Grief Point. I do miss Cranberry. I was just up there today knocking on doors. And that's a wonderful thing about our our town, our community, is it is such a it is such a collection of little communities. Our street, people all are friends on our street and across the alley. And now I have my neighbor kids who are coming over and digging in the garden and, and helping out and you know, and just back and forth. We tore the fence down. He, Tristan is um, eight, I think, and uh, his little sister, Jalen, is uh, is six. And they are just this one of the sweetest things in my life right Aww. now. So neighborhood is huge. And it's a, it's how we, it's that fundamental group beyond beyond uh, family that we connect together in, in this community. I'm grateful for the, the cohesive neighborhoods that we have all over the place. The rate payers, you know, yeah. I love them all. I agree, because we're sitting in my neighbor's patio right <laughs> now doing the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> I love the sense of community here. So what are your favorite places to spend time within the city? Wow. Within the city, well, my backyard is a, is a good one. There's a garden out there that, <laughs> that really cries for attention all the time, <laughs> as gardens do. And we have birds. I love the waterfront. I um, I spent many years in the complex. I'm really grateful we have that amazing facility. My my son went through the whole minor hockey program here, and ended up captain of his rep team at the you know at the in his last year. So I was a I was a manager of the team one year. I did uh, you know first aid and uh, safety on the bench for many years. I'm deeply grateful for that and our library. I love our library. So, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of s- subtly putting in plugs for these amazing city resources we have. Willingdon Beach, you know, when my grandfather moved here in, I believe it was 1914, to, as a carpenter to build houses in the town site, he moved his family, I understand, into a cabin that was at Willington Beach along with a few others in the 20s. Hmm. So... It has that kind of sense of connection for me as well. Yeah, I, our natural areas, our trails, you know, we walk, Janet and I, uh, in the winters with friends. And yeah, there, there are so many special corners in this, our seawall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very grateful for all these, these places, these beautiful places we have. So you take advantage of the outdoors for sure. As much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it, we're, we sail and ride our bikes. We've got an old, old car. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's got frame damage now, so we're going to have to invest in a new one. But we ride and walk everywhere. So, it, and it's such a, um, a cyclable and, well, to some degree, a, a walkable town. Yeah. Yeah. Except for maybe Marine. Yeah, yeah we're working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Transport heard from us this oh, good. a little while ago. <laughs> and what made you decide to put your name in for re-election? Wow. I had to think about it very carefully. We went away on a sailboat for two and a half weeks, and I was really undecided at that point. Uh, I suppose personally for myself, we're, we're in very uncertain times. Greater trouble is coming, I'm certain of that. And when I got back, I thought, I first thought, gee... I didn't get my answer. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I thought, no, I did get my answer. I, I need to do this. You know, in spite of Janet saying, "Money, I think you should take a break. Because the city's invested eight years in me being a city councillor now. I've learned a lot. There are a few of us who are, I mean, we're not going to have all incumbents, that's for sure. Yeah. So there's going to be change. I am concerned that there be continuity. And I, but deepest is my love. My love for the community has really transferred into loving to work in this amazing organism that is the city, in this peculiar role of being a city councillor, which is kind of halfway between the community and the city. And, you know, we have official work to do, but it's that connection that means the most to me. Uh, and also, it, it's such a, where I've gone, for the most part, the working environment in the city is a, it's a happy place. City Hall's a happy place. It suddenly came to me, you know, and I thought, gee, I didn't get the answer that I was looking for. I hadn't thought about it very much, but I just kind of gave it to the universe, and I've never been disappointed. The universe always answers, and that was why. It's really for the love of it. And as Janet says every time I walk out the door to a meeting, remember, honey, it's all about love. <laughs> so I had to tell her that's why. <laughs> Right back at you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I get it, though. It's a grind, that's for sure. It can be. Yeah. There's challenges. For sure. So Mm. what issues are top of mind for you as you come into the election? There's a whole spectrum of issues. I suppose the biggest one for me personally, which is why when people ask me what my platform is, I say it comes down to one thing, and that's working together. Ironically, our region has the name Cathet, which means working together. But it is what... It's what I do. I have been working to, to find ways, to seek ways to help people work together my whole life. We have remarkable, talented, skilled, experienced people on council in the city, in this community. And we, you know, to reiterate, the challenges of the future, I don't think there's any way of getting through them except that we work together because none of us have many answers, let alone all the answers. We're getting to a time where the an- we discover the answers when we need them. Right. We have plans. We have wonderful vision, vision of where we want our community to go. It's been developed over generations of councils, strategic plan, many other plans, M- wonderful documents, and they are living documents that are now being used. They're not on the shelf. Right. And they help us move forward. But critical, we don't know what's coming. We know there are, you know, I'll use challenges. I think that's a bit of an understatement. But working together is how we will surmount any of them. Are there certain strengths that you possess that you feel are really valuable around council chambers? We've had some significant stressors, like rooms full of angry people over the past this past uh, term. And uh, my paramedic, in my paramedic career, particularly in well, I was going to say particularly in Vancouver, I came into some pretty stressful situations. Mm. <laughs> you know, I could give you details, but you can probably imagine uh, when there's multiple patients involved and crowds and chaos and, um, well, chaos, you know, it's, it's a bit of a dramatic word. But I function well under stress and I'm not afraid of chaos and trouble. 
because we can get through it. You know, those basic tools I had as a paramedic, and some of them were pretty magnificent. You know, it was it was an amazingly gratifying job to help people because little things make a huge difference often, and that human connection is a very large part of that. But that translates itself to here too. So yeah, working under stress and with crisis is—I uh, think I bring that to the table for sure. And I've got—I've got a pretty broad background in business, in uh, emergency planning, uh, recreation. Wow, technically, I've—I've I've done a lot of things. I've been in various boards and uh, volunteer organizations, sports, and you know, it's quite a range. So I, I think I bring a bit of a tool bag i you know i have to sort of think about it (laughs) there's a few things in there now okay thank you which brings me to if we get around the council table which most times electors want to see is a good variety of different people with different backgrounds around the table often what happens is conflict arises so how do you deal with conflict i listen because i want to hear the value that each person brings to the table. Uh, this last four years, this council really thought very differently about many things. I've been looked very squinty-eyed, you know, across the table. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm getting a hairy eyeball here. <laughs> but it happens frequently, and we do it to each other. And I'm just saying, you know, this past four years, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience because we've found common ground. And we have learned, I, you know, my experience has been, particularly of the past two years, I got tired of trying to be diplomatic and, and define everything so that I was understandable and acceptable. And I realized, I just need to speak, right. you know, and it's something, it, it's something that it takes some learning to do that. But this past couple of years has provided me with that opportunity because the people around the table are open-hearted. Now, I'm confident in pretty much everybody who's running that there is huge heart. So, in in everyone who's running for this, in this election, all 18 for council and three for mayor. And so, I'm very optimistic that whoever ends up around that table, we're going to, we're going to be able to find a way Hopefully that includes me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I, I feel good about it. Good. I've this done a lot of conflict resolution, you know, through my paramedic job and chief. I did three different courses on that. Yeah, that it makes helps. sense. Communication. Yeah, big time. This one's a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But um, our youth aren't able to vote. However, they are an important part of our community. And we have little for them to do outside of sports, arts, and the outdoors. Many teens and young adults aren't into those things. Do you have any ideas of ways we can address the lack of spaces for teens and young adults and better support them? Okay, well, I'm proud of one thing. Wow. I don't know how many years ago it was now. It was fully the first term I served. Caroline Leishman and I, really more under her stimulus than mine, but I'm totally into this, were sponsors for the Youth Council, and it was very very well accepted by our council, our councils. COVID really got in the way of that, unfortunately. But I am proud to say that one of our youth council members is now, this year, the premier of the BC Youth Parliament. Wow. 
So that is truly a space. We started with a, with a group of nine. We had our terms of reference stated we'd accept nine. And we had about that many applications. Well, as the years went on, we got more and more young people wanting to be a part of that. And we ended up with 25. So we just kept rewriting the <laughs> terms of reference. You know, how could we possibly turn away any of these amazing young people? Right. We had staff, we had Nicholas Simons, we had Rachel Blaney, we had all, we had uh, the recreation complex consultants looking at design and engineering, a meeting with the youth council. So that's definitely one thing I'm really proud of. But it was, that's something that attracted, like I said, 25, finally. As far as other youth spaces for youth, that's been a challenge for many years. And it's groups like the Youth Council, and there are a few groups in Brooks as well, who the engagement between my generation, and I'm like the boomers, I'm one of the boomers, and the generations between me and the young people talking together and figuring this out and asking them what they want, but then helping them figure out how how that might interpret into something that's real. When I was in high school here, I was involved in helping design the youth center, which nobody will remember because now it's the museum. It's been the museum since very few years after it was the youth <laughs> center because it didn't really work all that well, I understood. But I went to university and a lot of our kids leave. So that's a special challenge. Yeah. Definitely sports. The library is doing amazing things with young people. But there are a lot of gaps, and it's something we heard over and over again with the Youth Council. So we talked about that a lot. And I think it, it did lead to other activities, some of which the uh, administration of the school didn't exactly like <laughs> an awful lot. But, you know, when you get kids talking, they're creative and they come up with amazing ideas. They do, yeah. So that, that would be my answer to that. Okay. See, my generation, we had a pool hall and an arcade. It was in the bottom of the town site mall. Yeah. And it was a dry place to hang out and not be on the streets. Yeah. And we just don't have that now. So there's a climbing gym. Yeah, there's that. I know there's a bunch of young people who do that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Well, the complex, you know, that is mostly sports, but uh, there's a great range. Um, I just think Friday yeah. and Saturday nights. Yeah. You know, where are they? Exactly. They're at the beach. Yeah. Well, Party. I was at the beach then. <laughs> It's Palm Beach because the cops wouldn't drive down there. <laughs> now we're giving them all some some good ideas. Yeah, right. Oh dear, it's all good. We have so many beaches. Wow, we do. Yeah. Have you read the '94 Calls to Action put out by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada? Yes, I definitely have. Okay, and how do you think the city is doing with regards to truth and reconciliation? Well, as far as the uh, putting those '94 recommendations uh, into action. There are select ones of them that pertain directly to municipal jurisdictions and not an awful lot. So what that does is it makes it easier for us. Now about, well, it must have been at least three or four years ago, CAO Brewer, who we're losing, breaks my heart, but, you know, I changes, I'm, I'm of the deep belief change is good. <laughs> So, I'm having faith. Put into effect, I mean, he's, he's Métis. Yeah. And so, you know, what an, another element of the blessing of having him uh, work for the city. Because he just has that heart insight, you know. So, but this goes back to 
really, the work has gone back at least 20 years to um, previous mayor, uh, Stuart Ellsgard, current mayor, Dave Formosa, who was awarded a First Nations name by Tla'aman, Tla'aman family, Maynard, I think. I, I've got the, his name on the tip of my tongue. Qua, 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 qua. Anyway, uh, you know, I want to learn these names. I want to learn this stuff. This is what I want to do. Yeah. I, it's very important to me, and I, it's very important to so many of us in this community because we cherish the relationships we have, and we've had wonderful relationships with Laaman. I think most of us probably know the stories of the seawall and, you know, how uh, conflict led to the reconciliation 20 years ago. Yeah. So I think we're doing very well, and we have lots, so much more to do. We're being looked to all across Canada, actually, and certainly in BC. SFU, the uh, Federation of Canadian Municipalities, uh, these are you know, <laughs> pretty substantial organizations that use Power Rivers as an example. And they're watching us now, I'll tell you, yeah, in all the provinces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's an issue. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's my last question. That. Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Left the big one to last. Yeah, right on. So one major concern of electors is obviously rising taxes. Mm. Do you have any ideas of how taxes can be held without cutting services? Yeah, that would take uh, winning a lottery or there's no possible way. Uh, you know, and... Well, you know, I won't say that because I, too, I truly believe in being creative. But a lot of these services are provided by people who work for the city. So, you know, it's not hard to figure the math out there. Mm -hmm. But affordability is a huge, huge issue I've been concerned about the whole time I've been a city councillor. There are many of my generation who are struggling more and more and are proud and do not admit it trying to maintain their homes. You know, we all say, you know, aging in place is a good thing, but it's come becoming increasingly challenging. Mm -hmm. It's it's challenging like it's never been before for young people. My son, who is gainfully employed, you know, couldn't afford a mortgage in this town. Now, he is in his mid-20s, so I didn't buy my first house until I was well into my 30s. You know, and that brings in something, another element, and that is the, our society's expectations have, have continually increased for generations, actually. And I think we need to look at that. We need to return to a value systems that are based in need. Right. So how do we provide for our needs in ways that may not cost us as much? Th that could lead to some very hard questions or very hard looking into what we really think we, you know, need, want. Mm -hmm. What do we need, truly? What, what are our basic needs? To answer this question in a slightly different way, I've been reading economics for economics based in history. Uh, Thomas Piketty is uh, an amazing author. And uh, Eisenstein, let's see, Richard Heinberg. There's a few spanning between sociology, history, and um, economics we can see huge trends and it the, the a, a bit of a higher perspective vision helps in helps has helped me be optimistic about our future because there have been very large adjustments in, you know over the past couple of centuries particularly in our society and we're probably heading for another one 
But it doesn't need to be as scary as we're led to believe. That this is truly, this is something I deeply believe. And again, it gets back to working together. We have the brains, we have the skills and intelligence to face this question, but we need to be connected with each other to find out truly how much hardship is going on. We're aware that it's increasing. Mm -hmm. It's in been increasing steadily for a long time. The city has made huge efforts in trying to understand that. And we're, I think we're just at the beginning of that. So, yeah, that's not a very direct answer, is it? But it's an approach. Mm -hmm. And it is the fundamental responsibility of uh, uh, the, the bottom line uh, responsibility of a city council is to be fiscally responsible. Fair enough. Which leads me to the proposed spending for the new emergency services building. Right. It's also another contentious topic. What are your feelings on that? Well, well, I was an emergency services chief and I was a paramedic for 32 years. So as far as the importance of the building goes, yeah, it's way up there. The building that the fire department is in right now is a concrete block building. It is it it wouldn't take more than a 4 point something um, Richter quake to knock that building down on between two and three million dollars worth of fire trucks. Now, if we did have a quake, then it's quite possible there might be some fires. Uh, then what? Yeah. So, we were told by the consultant architects that the reinforcing technology developed by UBC wasn't going to work for that building. But I think part of the problem there is that it is so, it's so old and it was built so... Well, it was built without any consideration for earthquake, which is amazing because it was built 12 years after a catastrophic earthquake occurred here in this region. It was epicentered over um, underneath of um, Forbidden Plateau, I believe, hmm. but it knocked chimneys down in Powell River, 1946. Okay. So, it, this is a very hard decision, and this is something that's going to be wrestled. Well, we'll see what the electorate thinks. We're, we're in a tough fiscal time. People are worried about money. But the, this, you know, so how do we answer this question? This is, I'm very, very torn. Uh, I'm worried about money too. Yeah. But there is a very distinct need. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Affordable housing and crime. They're two different topics, but... In, yeah, they're in extremely related. Yeah. When I came here, I looked for the clientele I was used to in the downtown east side. And the West End, the homeless, the you know the addicted, psych, uh, the psychiatric-related calls and uh, drugs and substance abuse probably constituted or were involved in probably a half to two-thirds of what I did in the city as a paramedic. But they weren't here, and you know why they weren't? They were here actually. They were all all that population was here, and they were well looked after by public health, which didn't take an awful lot of work because they had places to live. Hmm. because rentals were affordable, and even for people who were supported by the ministry, that worked. That, that stopped happening about five years ago, and we ended up with, with homelessness. Now, when you're homeless, there's a, it's, that's a huge factor to push people into, into the kind of um, psychological stress that leads people to substance, if, substance abuses if they have any propensity in that direction. That's my view on that. Housing is is a first priority, really, for us. And it's a huge push right now. It's being worked on by many, many. It's very slow. It takes a while to build housing, but there's quite a bit going on right now. Crime. Among the population that's disadvantaged, a very small percentage 
are actually ones that perpetrate property crime. I knew this in the downtown east side. The cops down there said, you know, it's probably a dozen and a half prolific offenders that cause most of the property crime down here. Can you believe that? Down in wow. in the skids of Vancouver. Yeah. A dozen and a half. And I asked the same question up here of our staff surgeon. He said, yeah, maybe it's six. So I quote him, you know, cautiously because that's, you know, up for judgment. Yeah. It's probably a bit of a sliding number, but I think this is something that we absolutely have to remember that we're all, you know, my mom used to say, there but for the grace of God go I. Well, some of us are a lot more fortunate than others. And if we weren't, what would, where would we be? You know? Yeah. If, and it is, the thing is, is the tide is coming up on affordability and difficulty. And that's why we have more now. These are not bad people, any worse than any more than I'm a bad person or you are, or anybody who might listen to this podcast. These are people who, who who have real needs, and the biggest need is to help them get get their their hands back on their own the reins again, so that they can help themselves. Because I think human dignity demands that we all seek that. Right. Almost all of us. Yeah. There's a few bad apples, but my God, the the problem. It, it, housing is, is a huge center to, to that, even for, you know, the prolific. And maybe there's some special housing for them. Yeah. <laughs> and that leads me to my very last question, mm -hmm. which is the name change. Yes. What's your feelings on, on that particular topic? Well, I think this has opened, a, I used the analogy before, a closet door has been opened for us and bones have fallen out. You don't put them back in. We're not going to put them back in. So the question is for me now is, what do we do with that? Right. But this is, this has the, our name, we associate our identity with our name. Even though I grew up in Cranberry and Powell River was the town site actually back then. And Westview was Westview. <clears throat> and then the whole thing was all brought together. Right. You know, things can change. But that's pretty trite to say that. When... We have many, many people, particularly those who are my age, who are very attached to our name because, and this is my deep belief, is because we are so proud of our community, because we, we are so appreciative and grateful for the cultural and social wealth that we have, far more than material wealth. Yeah. We have great pride in who we are. So, does that need the name Powell? I'm, I don't think so, actually. But we don't get to a point of doing something about it without owning it. We have to own this. Yeah. This is not Pla Amon's work. Previous Haggis Clint Williams laughed at me when, well, it wasn't me, it was all of us, and said, this is your work. This isn't our work. And that's absolutely true. And here we are, we have it now, whether we want it or not. It, it was inevitable, that question, really. Yeah. So, if we can own this and come together and carry on this conversation and learn a little bit more, I deeply want to learn more. I've been striving at this for many years, ever since I came back here, and I've got many good friends at Tla'am and I'm very grateful for. And I think there are many, many people in this community who can say the same thing. So, we have these relationships. We need to really use them to, f to take this on and own it and 
figure out what to do about this. And we're just at the beginning. It's going to take a while. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for the podcast. I appreciate having you. This was totally delightful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I so appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, Rob. And that concludes this episode of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed featuring Rob Southcott. If you're looking for more information on Rob, you can check out his write-ups in Cathet Living and The Power of Her Peak. Until next time, this is Aaron Reed. Thank you for listening to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. For more interviews, visit coastalcurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Thanks again for listening.